0: Welcome to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and today we have Chris Nahi with us. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great. Thank
1: you, mate. Thank you for having me today.
0: Oh, well, thank you for letting us come to your amazing home and uh, see what you do, what what the Lord's been doing through your life. Um, so, Chris, why don't you just tell us, give us a bit of a background on how you grew up and, and where you grew up. So, we are in New Zealand, um, in Whangarei, uh, above Auckland. So, yeah, Chris... Tell us, is this your hometown? Uh, so
1: I, I grew up in, in Auckland. <coughs> this is my hometown. Uh, my mother and our homestead is, is up here in Whangaree. But originally I grew up in Auckland. I went to school in Auckland. I am one of five kids, a uh, solo mother. So I grew up in a, a fatherless home. and I, I now Now that I've been through this program that I run now, I I can see that that's where my core issues of going down that wrong path came from. So coming from a fatherless home, um, that feeling of being abandoned and that anger and stuff that I had inside me while I was growing up. I didn't know the Lord when I was growing up. I do have vague memories of my mother taking us to church down in Northcote. So we grew up on the North Shore in Auckland. And I do remember a few times that we uh, did attend church there. But um that was probably about it.
0: It didn't have any lasting effects, it was just something that you did as a family once or twice. Yeah. Okay. Maybe,
1: maybe a handful of times.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um what was it growing up with five was it five siblings? Yes. Uh we had four in our home.
1: My oldest brother, he was uh Fangoid and grew up with our grandparents.
0: Okay. Wow, wow Um, All right. so you grew up in the North Shore, Auckland And um, what was it like Uh, You're having a solo mum of course So obviously it would have been very hard on her Providing for you boys Uh, How many brothers, sisters?
1: So I've got two brothers and two sisters In our household There was uh, my one older brother and my two sisters I'm the second youngest
0: Oh yeah Mm. And um, yeah, so obviously your family didn't uh, wait, well, your mum knew the Lord, I suppose. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I believe that our uncles and aunties and my mum that grew up in the of faith, but moved, um, when she moved to Auckland, sort of moved away from that as well. Okay. And she had some friends that used to go to a,
0: a church, Christian church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. So, um, what you're doing here. This is reflective on your past, right? So do you want to explain a little bit about what you do in Whangarei and then we're going to rewind. Yep, We're sort of going to go Star Wars style, you know. We're going to do the, the future first and then go backwards. Yeah, yeah. So currently
1: I run a, a program in Whangarei. It's a 12-month living program called Victory House. A faith-based program, minimum of 12 months. Uh, we're also a working in activity program. Um, And through that uh, What we're trying to do Is we're trying to get Our residents work ready Because it's one thing To to do a program But if you're just doing Courses and counselling And you're not ready for work How are you going to Get back out into the world And Mm. and get a job So our work and activity side Helps these guys Get ready for work as well Mm. Um, I, I feel that What we're trying to do is They come into the program With part of a jigsaw puzzle and we're trying to help them put that jigsaw puzzle together. They'll have some pieces that they'll already come in with, and then we'll help them put other pieces on there, whether it's through counselling courses, um, work, um, programs that they can uh, attend through the DHB. And uh, for me, uh,
0: the frame, his name's Jesus. Come on. yeah, Awesome, the frame of the puzzle. Yeah, that's what awesome. keeps it all together. That's so good. Yeah, man. And um, could you describe sort of some of the, the typical attendees of your 12-month course of yep. Victory House uh, before they come?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a lot of them, the guys that come to the program have come from dysfunctional families, upbringings. Some have come from um, gang affiliations, gang backgrounds, fatherless homes, mm. um, a lot of drug abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, we, we get them all.
0: And you've actually had one of our previous um, podcast episode uh, guests, uh, Dan Austin, has come through Victory House, is that right? Yeah, Dan came up and spent some time with us here in, uh, in Whangaree. Awesome. Well, yeah. shout out, Dan. Thank you for getting us connected. Yeah. Um, all right, so tell us um, what your life was like, I suppose, after your high school years or throughout your high school years.
1: So I was angry child, high school still angry. Why were you angry? Oh, no, no father. So I have a very strong memory of my mother contacting my father when I was 12 or 13, and I, and I remember trying to ask him about getting me a job. He was a, at a car sales yard or something like that, and he said there was nothing. And so from that, that sort of like the whole abandonment thing and anger came from there, yeah.
0: Okay. Now, um, have you still got contact with your father now? Like my
1: heavenly father? Yeah, come on. That's that's the that's the one that's been there for me. So yeah, um, yeah no, I've never met my um, biological father. Uh, I've handed that all over to the Lord.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, I oh, I think that's huge. Actually, you know yeah. what, what you just said there, and um, I don't want to graze over that lightly. But yep. you said that you. Never knew that of you never knew your biological father yeah. and um that you've handed that over to the Lord. Yeah. Could you actually explain that to somebody who's listening <clears throat> who might not know what that means? They might not be a believer,
1: so when you hand stuff over to the Lord, what it does it just lifts that that burden when you become a Christian and you know what you know, it just lifts everything off you. You don't have to worry about that. You know, cast all your your thoughts and your fears. Just pass it all over to the Lord.
0: Yeah, and it releases that burden from. Yeah, you're not carrying that. No. You're not carrying any unforgiveness around or anything no. like that, eh? No, that's awesome. It's, I, yeah, it's just the way it is. That's so cool. Um, I just wanted to really touch on that because it's one of the biggest things today. Um. There's a famous quote that says Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison And expecting the other person to die Yes mate And um, yeah I just think you know That's awesome that um, God is is, uh, The Bible says he's the father to the fatherless Amen And he's operated in your life perfectly with that Amen Yeah Um, Okay so you're an angry young man Yep Tell me a little bit about um, those early days
1: Yeah Getting in trouble, looking to the wrong um, people for for guidance Like friends, um, fathers and stuff that were on the wrong path anyway I didn't know any better (coughs) Um, You know, doing what teenagers do Cars, houses, stuff like that, just silly stuff Yeah, that was my life for a while Yeah
0: did you were you involved in uh, the worldly material substances substances such as uh, drugs, alcohol, anything like that?
1: Yep, whatever we could get our hands on when we were teenagers, whether it's
0: alcohol, weed, um, smoking marijuana, just whatever came our way. So, in those teenage years, did that you obviously felt empty? Did you? Yeah. And you're trying to fill it with these different things. Um, where did that lead your life in those early days? Did did that create almost like a snowball effect of uh, alcohol was great at the start and then it wasn't enough, weed was great at the start, then it wasn't enough and that built onto something slightly stronger? Yeah, just, it all led to criminal activities,
1: whether um, you're always out trying to make money to um, support your habit, you know, as sad as it was, you'd even rob your own mate's um, house. I've had my house uh, robbed, and you know, a few hours later, the person we suspected turns up with weed. So, wow, yeah, it's just
0: ridiculous. Wow, um, and your circle of friends and influence and all that—they're all in the same boat. Yep, they're all in the same boat. Yeah. And there was nobody that ever came across your path. I mean, you had those early days, handful of times you'd gone to church. Um, but aside from that, did you have anybody come across your path that was like, hey, Chris, I'm a Christian. Would I be able to share a little bit about this?
1: Yeah, well, funny as it may seem, yep. So when I came back to New Zealand, a, a youth worker, his name is Pastor Mike Shaw. He's uh, from Kaikohi. He contacted me, and he actually um, brought that memory back because I remember growing up, we used to go to the Te Horau, um camps and stuff. And I remember there was a couple of guys that would always pick us up as kids and take us to do stuff to the beaches, to the camps, mm. and it was him. So I've, I've reconnected with him.
0: Wow! Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, throughout those early days, did you have somebody, you had obviously him that was taking you on those early, early days, but what about in those later years? Did you have any Christians pop across your path? And when I say Christians, I mean like the true believers that come out and they make themselves known, they be that light that they're called to be. Was uh, Just after I, uh, so before, um, we say like early 20s,
1: I had a few rugby league coaches that guided me because I left New Zealand when I was 18 and I went to Australia to get away from my troubled life over here and I went to Australia to Alice Springs playing uh, rugby league there and yeah, I had a few influences. Our our coach, was a, he was a cop in, in Alice Springs and then our assistant coach, he was a ex-North Sydney Bears uh, player so I had those guys in my life.
0: Okay, wow. Um, all right. So at which point then? Um, I actually have no idea how old you are. How old are you? I'm For, 49, uh, you're 49. Last week. Okay. And do you recall the time that Christ entered your life? Yep. How old were you? 42. Okay. So you you've got we are only in your early 20s. Yeah. So from 20s to 40s. What happened over that time frame? You're over in Australia, you're playing rugby league. Yeah. What happened? The world happened. The world happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I was playing rugby league as a teenager, got picked up by an NRL club, uh, the Gold Coast. I moved to the Gold Coast, played NRL there for four years and three years in A, a grade and had a half, a half a year stint in reserve grade the first year. Then um, I was introduced to Class A drugs, ecstasy and cocaine while I was playing footy. And yeah, and then my career started
0: going pear-shaped. How quickly did that affect you in a negative way? Oh, it only took about 16 months. 16 months. Mm. And then it was, you were, at which point? Well, what did you look like after 16 months? Uh,
1: so I couldn't get a contract with another team. Our, our team folded. So I ended up um, going back to the local competition and the uh, love of money and all that attention uh, feeding your ego. Um, I was missing it. And by now I had made connections to... Excess drugs.
0: So those drugs, you, you mentioned are uh, grade A drugs. Is that a common thing in rugby league? Yes. It is?
1: Yeah. When I was playing, it was.
0: Man, I didn't know that. And does, do they use it to just party, or do they use it as performance enhancers? Party. Okay. Yeah. Um, Man, that's... It's a. It, it sort of hurts my heart to hear that, really. You know, because, and it makes sense. You know, like you win, you win a game. You you want to go party, yep. and um, you, you know, especially if it's a big game. You know, you might have won a championship or whatever it is, and it only takes one person to bring it in, and then everyone's on such a happy, yeah, theme that they're all going to get pulled in. Is that right? Yep, that's it. Um, okay, so at which point then, you're uh, going to these Class A drugs, 16 months have gone past and you're not able to play? I'm still playing. You're still playing? Yeah. Okay, and how is it affecting your day to day?
1: So when I stopped playing in the NRL and then I moved to the local comp and then I was there for maybe one season. Then I moved into the Queensland Cup, played four seasons there. I was what do they call a um, an addict that's using and, and working, while I was using and playing, and I was playing some really good football too. I was I feel now that I was actually playing football, playing league, and I was just um, playing angry, angry at myself or. Getting myself into that comp, trying to play my way back in, but it was it was too late then. But I just kept on playing.
0: Hang on, you're angry at yourself, yeah? And you say to to get into that comp, to get back in the NRL. Oh, okay, right. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, so tell me a little bit about, I guess the the journey from that point to Christ. How did that happen?
1: So around. 2002, 2003 uh, Along came a drug called ICE Maybe a bit earlier But for me, that's when I started um, using ICE uh, And then what happened was I was dealing ICE And sooner or later, um, the cops come knocking on my door I get charged um, I end up going to jail Uh and I was actually freaking out when I was going into jail. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to be getting in fights and everything. But what happens is if you're someone who's been on TV and you go into jail, it's like people are like, oh, yeah, he's famous fella. So they all start feeding your ego again. So by the time you get out of there, if you haven't rehabilitated yourself or you haven't got any right supports when you come out, all you've done is you've just made new contacts in there. So when you get out... You've got all these guys that can get you different drugs, so uh, when I got out, now was really so time what, to start dealing.
0: The whole jail thing didn't do its job of rehabilitating. Uh It, it did the opposite.
1: Yeah, it's a breeding ground for, for uh, gangsters and
0: drug addicts. Wow. Yeah. And um, how long, can I ask, how long you were in jail for?
1: That that time I was t- just over 18 months of my three and a half year sentence, and then the following four or five years, I was just in and out of jail mm. uh, constantly, three months here, five months there, yeah. Wow. Going around the mountain, we call it.
0: And I suppose the um, that natural fear of the police and all of that, does that fade, I suppose, going in and out of jail? No, it increases. It increases? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Your paranoia is just... True, yeah, out the over the Richter.
0: Yeah, because he obviously never wanted to go back into jail. No, each time it was like, oh, dang it. Yeah. But at least you knew what what it was, what was happening. Did you go back to the same jail? No, I went to a couple of different ones. Yeah, okay. It was mainly uh,
1: returned to jails for dirty urine tests when you get drug tested and stuff like that, right?
0: Yeah, wow, okay, and. Um, I mean, I've heard a couple of stories where, where people go to jail and and they actually uh, find God sometimes. That wasn't something that happened to you? That's what happened to me. That's what happened to you? Yeah, Come on, I'm all right. to get to that part. Well, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So I was going in and out of jail. Uh, I was married over there, had a house, a uh, tree-lopping business and stuff like that, slowly losing it all, lost it all, ended up homeless. So I was living on the streets, couch surfing, burning bridges everywhere I went, uh, in and out of jail and then um in two thousand and sixteen late two thousand and sixteen around october I've, I'd come out of um a fifteen year uh peer addiction and and what happened was um I had a light bulb moment I was like in my cell, crying, looking up in the dark out to God if you're real, help me. Then I felt this this voice inside me, this spiritual awakening telling me to follow him and then he'll um restore me. Didn't know what it was. The next day I came out of my jail cell, grabbed uh the bible, went down to the card table, and just opened it up and had a book that I was sort of I'm just gonna write some scriptures down. And it, and I opened it up into Proverbs and Psalms, and when I opened up Psalms, it took me straight to Psalm twenty-three. The Lord is my shepherd. It was like, fire out! This, that's exactly you and me. I'm a lost sheep, and that that um, that valley that I've been walking through, I've been walking through for fifteen years." You know, and then, um, yeah, it was a sp- spiritual awakening that um, like, it was like the Lord had taken away my addictions, just ripped it out of me, like. Just that yeah, just like that. Um, I got released about a month later. Actually, when I was coming out of myself, because I started coming out every morning, Grabbed the word of the day, um, and my Bible, and I'd read the word of the day out, and there'd be guys uh, over there that would move closer to our table, to listen oh, all this, follow on about, mm. but I didn't care. And then someone even said to me, "Goes, oh, are you a Christian, bro? I didn't even know what he was on about." I was just like, "Yeah, bro, I'm a Christian."
0: Come just on! Just kept on reading,
1: and then a month later, I got released from the Southport courthouse. Uh, I walked for about two two and a half hours to a mate's place, and when I got there, they were smoking pee, drinking, and stuff like that. And offered me some, and I was like, Nah man, I'm I'm all good." <clears throat> later on, my mate said to me, "Man, he goes, I never ever seen you turn it down. I used to get people offering it to
0: me." Get rid of me How did you feel On that moment Did you actually feel A draw to it Or you actually felt Set free no. from it Yeah Set free Wow I Just didn't even Did that Did that stump you For a second Did you go You said no obviously Yeah But did you think Hang on Who's saying no That doesn't even mm. say, Who is this guy That's yeah. in my pants yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> uh, It
1: just didn't interest me He's like Nah Something happened to me In that jail cell
0: Wow Yeah that's awesome. So in a moment you had all your addictions just pulled off you. Yeah. And you went through no withdrawals?
1: I I had been in July, August, September. Okay, I'd been there for three months, so I'd, You're I'd done. just just landed on my feet and then I had okay. that encounter. Yeah. Um Yeah, but I was I was done with it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And then um
1: after that I was I said, oh man, I just want to have a shower, because I've been walking for ages. I went upstairs, had a shower, and I said, oh man, can I crash out? So I went and had a s- lay down in the spare room, and I was asleep, and um, <clears throat> in um, about two in the morning, I wake up, my mate tells me later on, he goes, "So he said to me, I wake up, but in my um, dream, I had a dream of my Bible, and I was open like this, the prison Bible, and on one side, um, it had words, and on the other side it had words, and this voice was saying really loudly, "These are the things to stay away from." And on one side it says um, drugs and alcohol, and on the other page it said sexual moralities. These are the things to stay away from. These, and keep repeating. And then I woke up, and I went downstairs. My mate said later on, he goes, "Bro, you came downstairs, and your eyes were beaming." And I sat on the lounge, and I said, "Bro, I know what I need to do," because my brother, he, he's the lead pastor, senior pastor, him and his wife, uh, Dave and Louise, of uh, Vibe Church on the Gold Coast, and they had opened up a program called Victory House. And I said to my I don't know where I got this time from, I think I was just trying to be respectful, because I said, man, 6 o'clock I need to ring my brother, I need to put myself in, in his rehab. Um, they moved from the lounge into the garage while I sat there and just watched TV, waiting from 2 o'clock till 6 o'clock to ring my brother to go into to rehab. Wow. And then, um, yeah, that's where that... I wanted to go into rehab because I wanted to surround myself with people that are on the same journey. I didn't I knew I couldn't stay out in the world. So that's a good question. These
0: guys, yeah. Why? Why after being set free from drugs and alcohol, you you'd go into rehab? And yeah. it was to make yourself accountable. Yeah. And go actually. Yeah. God set me free from this. Now it's time to get discipled. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I knew it was a. A Christian faith-based program is like, yeah, I can get there, learn about this fellow Jesus I'm, I'm hearing in my head. Yeah. You know? and Wow. Um, yeah, and be around those people. Accountability was big in that program, so
0: that was what I needed. I love that. Mm. I love that. And um, so this uh, Victory House that you went, what is one of the biggest things out of Victory House that you've gone Wow, I really needed that. Like something that maybe that you would be able to share uh, cuz I know it's a 12-month course, right? Yeah. Probably can't share 12 months in a yeah. in an hour podcast, but tell me um what what's something that you can take away from it and share with somebody that might be struggling with addiction now. Yeah. In that course. Yeah.
1: The the big thing that stood out for me and it's something that I struggled with as well is the whole accountability system. It was like What's going on here? There's it, it, quite a few things. And there's another thing there the groups, like some of the groups they have learning how to be assertive when communicating with people instead of being abusive. They're doing these groups, and I'm like looking at them thinking, why are they talking like that? It's the I feel model, not the you are model. Because you know, how you, you, when you have an argument with someone, usually people go, oh, you're this, you're that. Well, in this group, um, it, it's done differently. It's uh, letting the person know how you feel. Oh, I call it the I am, I feel yeah. Yep. So yeah, that, that um, really stood out for me The accountability is another thing that really was hard to get my head around
0: um, So but, what, is, what does that look like, the accountability? So you're held,
1: you held accountable for everything you say and do in that program Because with addictions uh, come behaviours And if you spend time in, say, say for example for me I spend time in jail If you spend a long period of time in jail and you get out uh, you might be clean but if you haven't ha- if you haven't dealt with those behaviors and those issues um deep down you're just what well, they call it a, a dry drunk and it's just inevitable when something goes pear shaped for you you're just going to go back to what you know mm. but if you get the tools that can help you to um interact with other people and handle different situations uh, then you're on the right path
0: mm. oh true i mean that makes sense you know mm. and and wh- one of the things that uh, the bible teaches is the new nature that you take on yeah and it's almost like uh, it's a, you know it says that we were bound or slaves to our sinful nature so yep. when you're thinking um you're going to go into the things of the world that's a, like you said you're going to go to it cuz that's what you know yeah that's you're not even putting two thoughts into it it's yep. it's a instinct if yep. you want to put it that way and um like a reflex almost cuz yep. that's that's your nature and yep. and that's the nature that we we're, we're born into and then with Christ, he says, "You yeah, put on the new nature. You are a new creation." Yeah. And all of a sudden, when you were offered, um, sorry, was it drugs? Yeah. And you said, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah. There's this choice, and you still have the choice to, you know, Jesus says, "Choose life, yeah, not death." So you had this choice: you could choose that, or or you could choose Jesus. And I love how you just went, "No." Mm that that huge moment no and it was like all of a sudden like you're going down this road to death and and it's just that one moment all right you got now you've actually got because God still gives us a choice even after revealing himself yeah. there's still the choice after that yeah and um i just love that how you you said no and then not only that you go on the next step and going all right i might know that god loves me i, I know that God's real And he's given me The ability to choose Now I, I need wisdom in this I need yeah. Accountability uh, Counseling You know And Spiritual guidance Yeah 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 come on So you did the full 12 months uh, With your brother Yeah So
1: uh, what happened was I got into To stage 3 of the program And I was uh, Coming up to Just about going into stage 4
0: How many stages are there?
1: 4 stages Okay And the this, this is how God works in my life So I'm coming up to stage four I go away uh, down to the Hillsong Conference um, While I'm down there We get a phone call that Immigration have been to the house to look for me uh, The old me would have done the runner again But the new me, the new thinking is Well, if God is for me Who and what can be against me So I go back, to, um, back up to the Gold Coast And we present ourselves myself to uh, immigration office in Brisbane uh, I get locked up and um, I get put in an immigration center next to the airport I'm there for three weeks and then I get shipped off to um, Yonga Hill which is in in the desert in wa and um, I'm still positive I'm like I get there What's you,
0: what is Yonga Hill is that a, it's a immigration center okay for right. where they
1: uh, place people that uh, are looking at getting deported
0: so they're th- okay thinking yeah. of throwing you back to New Zealand or not? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and and a lot of people get in there they're like oh, I haven't even done any charges and mm. I haven't broken any any laws and I'm locked up here. Me, I, I'm the opposite. I, I'll own my behaviors. Yeah, I've I've broken the law. Yeah, I've done this. I've done that. Yeah, I, I I probably do um deserve to be here, but you know what? God's put me here for a reason and I'm gonna find out what it is. So when I got to younger Hill, I started looking around for the Christian Brothers. And um, I found um uh this group of them all different nations and that. Uh they, they meet for Bible studies and, and have a um service on Sundays. So I started attending that. Uh while we we're there, one of the South African brothers that uh leads it, he uh was doing his last sermon. He says, Yeah, I'm going um going back uh this week. Uh the Lord put it on my heart to share, like that, that voice was telling me get up and share get up and share talking about salvation talking about forgiveness so I um, said yeah I'll share next week and then I got a hold of my brother I said I'm going to share about my salvation and, and, and the forgiveness that I have now um, can you send me the notes for um, for an altar call because I haven't seen them do one here and I know my brother <laughs> they do them every week Yeah, so he brought me um, sent me some notes and that um, I shared and then I did an altar call and there was 15 guys there and 12 of them put their hand up and You're some kidding. of them knew. Yeah, so that was awesome. <laughs>
0: Kept me going. Just that obedience, eh? Yeah. yeah. So you found a, a, a calling or a pull or a voice. What was it that told you yeah. to do that? That voice, his voice. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you hear God's voice? Because everyone hears it a little bit differently.
1: I like, for me, I like feel it inside me. Yeah. Yeah. Like a pull? Yeah, it's just... It's hard to explain. I can just feel it. Yeah. If I'm doing if I'm doing something wrong, I can feel it telling me, pulling me up, or I'll even get a flashback of my old life.
0: Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I've heard a couple of different people say it in different ways, and yeah. one guy said that he, he knows it's God when it's, it's kind of like shooting hoops, and you know the moment you're throwing throwing it, you know it's mm. going in or not, yeah. and. It's kind of like that You're like You don't even have to see it Yeah You know If you're doing it right or wrong Or if God's in it Or God's not in it Yeah It's just that feeling And um, the more you operate In that feeling The more swishes you get Yeah And um, you start to recognise it um, That's really cool man I, I think that's so cool uh, Are you still in contact With those uh, guys That you led to yeah. salvation?
1: Uh, some of them are on my
0: Facebook page So That's so cool Yeah yeah that is so cool man um, Alright so you're in uh, This immigration Centre Center, center. Um, I think you're the first yeah. person I've ever met That's been in one of those um, I don't even know they existed Until right now yeah. <laughs> um, Okay so What happened after that You Obviously you're walking with Christ You're learning how to obey the voice yeah. Of God You've had a good What, three quarters of a year Of discipleship with your brother's um, Victory house Training Um, What ended up happening, did you end up getting Deported So I ended up Getting deported on
1: October the 17th 2017 And I came back to New Zealand I Was in contact with a good friend of mine Owen Paul We used to knock around together in, in the Gold Coast. He had a radical encounter too, um, and he's over here. He's doing working with the homeless, doing street ministry, evangelism, and stuff like that. Mm. So I fly back here. When I arrived, I had I was given one hundred and fifty dollars, and I had a, a bag full of clothes that pretty much weren't even mine. And yeah, I was dropped in a motel near the airport. Contacted my friend Owen And then he came pick picked me up And showed me around for a bit um, And then we went on a Seven week Hikoi all over Down the east coast Down the west coast Speaking in churches Women's refuges Rehabs Youth groups And just um, sharing uh, What God had And um, Jesus had pulled us out of
0: Wow Yeah So you're legit just walking around Sharing your testimony Yeah, yeah. It's epic, I love yeah. that because that's exactly what our podcast is It's yeah. all about people's testimonies and everyone's got a powerful one Yeah I love the conviction there to go share what I've done in your life Yeah Yeah, that's oh, awesome
1: It was all new to me when, when, when no one's hitting me up about it I be like, yeah bro, tell them about where you were, tell them what's happened Yeah, yeah Yeah, and then yeah, after I did it for a little bit uh, That's when I realised, yeah, testimonies are really powerful, like Everyone's got a story. You know? It's true. Everyone's got a story.
0: Everyone's got a story. It's a true experience. You're a witness of what God's done. You yeah. know, through feeling, through thought, through action, and um, you've seen you've seen God move. I mean, you witnessed. I mean, I I said this a couple of times. Um, uh, when we've had a few different uh, people addicted to drugs, and God takes it from them. Mm. I've heard this so many times now, and it's it's weird because I I get a headache and withdrawals. I'm not having my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I could compare it to, um, you know, meth or any of the other um, A grade drugs. Um, so, what made you want to start Victory House in New Zealand? Yep. So,
1: I was going on He Coys with, with Owen, and then I came back uh, to Auckland to stay with my sister for a little bit. And then I came up north here to go and see my brother. And. I was just praying into it and I was just wondering where the Lord was taking me. What's what's the next plan? What what's my purpose or my assignment? Um Owen was talking to me about joining him on um doing street ministry and stuff like that. Um and then others were saying to me, Are you on fire for the Lord? Maybe you should go to uh Bible college. I'm illiterate. <laughs> I have to read things three times, four times for it to register. That's why I'm, praise the Lord, there's the um, auto uh, uh, Bible no. that I can actually oh, yeah. follow while I'm trying to read it as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I find it really hard to, to learn stuff. But I see a lot of uh, uh, damage that P is doing up here. And, and then I just had that voice again saying, open a rehab, open a rehab. And so I contacted my brother and I said, um, yeah, I want to open a Victory House here. Can you help me out? And they were really supportive and and said, "Yeah, we'll give it a give it a go because you've you've done the program." Even though I only went to uh, right to the end of stage three, it's up to those that run the program whether or not you've graduated. Mm. And um, for those that were running the program in Australia, I felt that I'd graduated enough. I'd done enough to to graduate. So I am a graduate of that program. And I was told, uh, my brother said, "Yeah, go for it. You you've been in the program. You know how the program runs." Mm it'll go really well there and then that that started a another journey and i've had support from churches all over new zealand um i just put it out there i'm trying to get a house i'm trying to get furniture i've got a list of furniture and you know one church from down christchurch or something paid for this whole list on um on stuff so it's been wow really good that everyone's um shown support at the same time, trying to actually find a, a suitable house for the program was uh, a bit of a hurdle as well, because people's perception of um of people in recovery or trying to uh, rehabilitate themselves isn't very good. I was meeting with real estate uh, homeowners and stuff, and I even got the question, "We just the comment that we're just worried about people cooking meth in our house." And I'm thinking, man, so far from the truth, but um, I just keep on. Um, Moving forward And and I knew that uh, When the time's right The Lord will open that door I I even got to the point where um, I'd have to drive half an hour 40 minutes to go and look at houses And because we live so far from town And I was only on a student benefit At the the time I'd go to church in the afternoon Uh, I didn't have enough petrol to get out home And then to check the house the next day So I'd sleep in the car Down at the information centre Because I knew that the Lord was in this I knew he was gonna open the door and then here yeah, we got onto some um Christian owners of the first house that we had and then we um got onto some owners here that are in the faith as well. And Come on. yeah, yeah, they know the mission. They know what Jesus was trying to do and these guys are the ones that um Jesus was looking for, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was leaving the ninety nine to go find the one, eh? Yeah, mate. You know? Um so what was one of the biggest challenges of starting Victory House? I mean, obviously finding the house was, was tough and, and all that, but, yeah, what was the biggest challenge?
1: One of the biggest challenges is um, trying to work with probation because we're a faith-based program and our, our um, holistic approach is, isn't as different from their approach uh we don't really uh see eye to eye and yeah i'm finding it hard to to get residents into the program
0: okay and that's just because the probation officers like their checklist for releasing somebody into your custody almost yeah is different
1: yeah but but what i do is i i make sure that everything that they need in their recovery or their rehabilitation is is ticked off on that list like uh, clinicians, I go and source uh service providers like the d h b salvation Army uh we even do a one day course with Odyssey House, mm. so I make sure that all our guys get uh everything that they need
0: mm. do they um do they not see the fruit of the people going through the program on their yeah what they were like and now what they are like?
1: This program isn't easy. I'll say that now. It's not an easy program. Change isn't easy. If change was easy, everyone won't be doing it. Mm. Good programs aren't easy. And we have an accountability system in this program. And we have a rules. we well, got a lot of rules in this house. Uh, people may criticise our rules. But the thing is, a lot of our rules were put in place by our residents. These are residents, addicts, Guys with behaviour issues that found that um, these rules need to be on there because these are the areas that I need to touch up on as well.
0: What are some of the rules, if you could give me an
1: example? Uh, Rules like um, being provocative, um, manipulation, disrespecting leadership, disrespecting volunteers. Um, There's even some other lower ones. like If you get in a house full of guys and everyone's walking around dropping their guts, it can be quite um, quite disturbing. So even um, uh, walking around the house, um, dropping your guts around all the guys is a, is a rule that you can't break. And there's consequences so that's to That's a New Zealand
0: rules. term for uh, farting. New Zealand term for farting, yeah. <laughs> Just for anybody yeah. not sure what that
1: means. Yeah. But there's all kinds of rules, you know, rules for leaving stuff lying around. Like if you go in the kitchen and you're leaving um, a mess on the bench and stuff, well, are you expecting someone else to clean it up? Mm. The way you walk into a room is the way you need to leave it When you uh, walk out We set the bar nice and high So that when these guys go back out in the world They mm-hmm. can lower that bar and their standards are still there Not That's only is, awesome. it, is it a rehabilitation program But we're also a discipleship Our guys go to church services And do Bible studies every day It's also a self-care program Where the guys have to uh, Shower once a day Change their sheets once a week They put on a, uh, a roster to do dishes Go uh, cook chores are done three times a week as well and it's also our leadership program as well so awesome. when you move into the further the higher stages there's an expectation that you need to know how to monarchy the new guys or help the new guys and guide them um through that process as well because mm. programs are only good as those that lead them mm. and that goes for the residents as well you're only going to move forward as, as as well as the one in front of you
0: mm. that's so good man i love that um So here's a good question, though. Uh, You've had this radical transformation of um, God taking these addictions from you. Um, So some people wouldn't have had an encounter like that that might come through Victory House and and different people that you talk to. Um, If they haven't had an addiction, uh, sorry, if they haven't had an encounter that takes away their addictions and they still struggle with them, how do you help those people that are still tempted and don't understand how you got free. Yep. The best way I can explain
1: it would be to say to them, you've got nothing to lose in trying this out and everything to gain. If you're a non-believer like I was seven years ago, I'm six years clean, just over six years. Mm. If you're a non-believer like I was seven years ago, it's like to take your eyes and put it on Jesus for 12 months and you watch the doors that open in your life. In yep. all areas.
0: That's awesome. Yep. That's so cool. Um So you've been doing Victory House now for how long? Uh three and a half years. Three and a half years. And you know, it's you've you would have had people come in and out, I suppose. Ha, has you said there's a minimum of twelve months? Yes. Have you had people go stay for longer? Uh yes.
1: Our last resident to graduate this program, took them 18 months.
0: Awesome. And it's cool that you you allow them to stay longer, you know. It's not like a uh, – if, if you're not fixed, you know, mm. in, in 12 months, then, well, too bad you're too tough. You know, you're too set in your ways. I love how you got that amount of grace yep. that says, you know, this is a 12-month program, but we will be with you and and do whatever it takes yep. to, to help.
1: Yep. So So this is a minimum – 12 month program and we say a minimum 12 months because there's no moving through this program unless we see the necessary changes so if you're in the earlier stages and you um, cannot sit with stuff that's being brought to you or you're not able to uh, be kept accountable or hold others accountable mm. then how can we move you forward to display the right behaviour for those that are coming up behind you mm. um, we're not a tick box program and from our graduates our success rate from uh, those that have graduated this program is 100%. None of them are back in the um, system or, um,
0: you know, yeah, they're all on the right path. That is so good. Yeah. I love to hear that. So where has God taken you now? God
1: taking me now? Well, at the moment, God is, is taking me on a bit of a journey because of uh, recent residents that haven't been able to... Um, Complete this program Uh, So what happens is I'm going through a bit of a trial and tribulation uh, With the program And previous residents that have left disgruntled But I believe that um, God Everything that happens in my life is is a test from God Whether it's a a good thing Or a bad thing Whether it works in my favour or not uh, Maybe it's not in God's time I just think he's just taking me on a journey of of perseverance To just um, Keep moving forward Focus on these guys And it doesn't matter How many guys I have in this program If there's one There's one to work with If there's Six or seven There's six or seven To work with But I'll just keep on Working with those That um, are Put in my path I believe that I was digging a hole For 15 years And Jesus put his hand down Told me to put that shovel down And climb out And And from that I I believe that he didn't bring me back to New Zealand to go back to scaffolding, to sit on the couch and turn up to church on Sundays. We're all called for a purpose or an assignment, and for me it's to minister to to people and show them that Jesus is the answer. Mm.
0: Come on, that's so good. Um, Do you have some advice for somebody that might have addiction issues or uh, anger issues or... um, Issues just in general yep. Um just problems in life as, as life throws A lot of a lot of punches you know Life's hard life's yep. tough Um somebody that's that feels like they're hitting rock bottom And they're listening to this podcast And they're going you know Um victory house isn't Anywhere in my country It's not anywhere near me I do want to Get on the right track what is yep. my first Step I would, I would um, suggest that you reach out for help.
1: A good place to do that, if you can, is jump on the internet, punch in what you're struggling with, and there's got to be a counselor, a program, um, a service, uh, something out there. Uh, there's a lot of programs out there, you know. One shoe doesn't fit every foot, so you just got to uh, keep searching, f- find that program that works for you. If you know yourself and your environment, because you, you, know, you can't get well in the environment that's making you sick, sometimes you've got to remove yourself from it, mm. but it's um, the best thing for you and your family, whether you're a man or a woman, um, reach out.
0: That's so good. Um, did you want to share any final thoughts or uh, stories that has happened throughout your uh, amazing life, you know, getting set free from drugs and alcohol?
1: Um, I'm quite content actually for those that are, are stuck in that place as well, you know, like you might think you've got everything and when re- really deep down you're not even happy. I'm happier now that I've got very little than when I was rolling around and flash cars and all the rest of that stuff is it's it's not real um my That's life, so true. yeah, my life has been a crisis without Christ in it, you know.
0: That's I good.
1: Was, I was working for the devil when I thought I was doing the right thing. Uh, at the end of the day, addiction is a, a lonely place. Anyone said, that says that they love it and they like it in that ask them that when they've got nothing left, mm. they have got no drugs or, or no one's around. When you're on your own and you're crying and stuff like that, that's what addiction's about. It's not about when you're with your mates. It's when you're on your own with nothing.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, you just got to reach out. That's so good. Um, man, Chris, I just want to take my hat off to you, you know, before we sign off, you're an, you're an incredible guy and I just love how you've been given this life, these are the things that's happened to you and you've turned almost everything that has been a weapon against you for a weapon for you, you know, you, you've you switched everything and that these trials and, and everything, you know. Even even if you had got on the right track and I don't know, let's say you went and got a good job and had a family and all that sort of stuff and went to church, like you said, and and God's flipped that. You've actually gone to the next level. You've gone like these are these are the things that that I've struggled with in my life. I've been I've been to prison. I have struggled with drugs and and all of these different things. Now what I'm doing is I'm. I'm that that fireman going into the burning building and finding other people that are struggling in those areas, and I'm pulling them out. And you're willing to put yourself out there in an uncomfortable position. Because these are, you know, (laughs) these are people that need God, you know, and it's not that they need them any more than anybody else, but they're people that I think if I went up to, some of these guys, I'd probably get a punch in the face if I were to talk about Christ, but you're you can relate you've given this amazing gift of being able to relate, and you're walking in that gift and and almost that that God has said look you've you've gone through hell and back so you can find other people who's going going to hell and bring them back yeah yeah, and it's just so cool, you know, like thank you, yeah, thank you for being obedient to Christ, yeah. thank you for just walk in the walk. Yeah. God God keeps on blessing as well. So if you believe you receive
1: and um I I do have a family as well on uh, that, that's mm. over here um, cheering me on as well. Come so, on. So the Lord uh, crossed paths with my wife and um between us we have a blended family of 9. Of 9. Yeah. That is my so two, cool. Seven. So That is
0: uh, awesome. And yeah, no, it's it's going really well. It's a big Christmas, man.
1: Yeah, we have big, big <laughs> Christmas
0: <laughs> as well. big Christmas. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I mean, I just, yeah, thank you. You're, you're an incredible man, and um, I know that this is going to be a blessing for anybody that's listening. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Jesus Magnet Podcast. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you connect with us. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and if you want to support us, Be a member of our coffee club, Jesus Magnet Coffee Club. See you next time on the Jesus Magnet.